Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Matthew chapter 27, verses 1 through 8. Two contrasting characters. It says this, When morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. And then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful. Oh, I never saw it like that. Sorry, I was having a moment. I do that even when I'm studying, so I just kind of, you, you saw a glimpse inside my room. Like, Lord, I never saw that. He was remorseful, not repentant. It's a difference. Wow. He was, look at someone and say, are you sorry? Or do you want to make a change? He was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver that he sold Jesus out with. It didn't, it didn't say that, but, you know. He brought back the pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to it. And then he threw the 30 pieces of silver down in the temple, and he departed And this verse is why I'm here. He went and hanged himself. But the chief priest took the silver, the pieces of silver and said, it is not lawful for them to go into the treasury or the offering bucket because they are the price of blood. And they consulted together and brought with them the potter's field. They, they bought a field to bury strangers in it. Therefore, that field has been called the field of blood to this day. If I could get like one singular pad back there, Joel, just, just a flat pad. And then let's read Luke. Here's the contrasting character in the Bible. So I want, here's what I want you to look at. These, both, both these characters that I'm bringing up, I want you to look at how they both messed up severely, but both responded, not reacted, responded to their mishaps differently, and therefore, they had different outcomes. Okay? Luke chapter 22, verse 54 through 62, having arrested him, meaning Jesus, everybody say Jesus, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house But Peter, it's about Peter, but Peter followed at a distance. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard, wow, this is powerful, they kindled a fire in the courtyard and sat down together. Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this man was also with Jesus. But he denied him, saying, woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, you also are of them, Peter. Uh, but Peter said, ma'am, 
man, I do not, or I am not. And then after about an hour passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, surely this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. But Peter said, no, man, I do not know what you're saying. Immediately, immediately while he was still speaking, a rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Now, now for those of you who don't understand why the rooster crowed and the Bible notes that is because Jesus prophesied earlier in the Bible and said to Peter, when Peter was saying, I will die with you. I will go to jail for you. He looked at Peter and said, he said, the rooster will crow three times and you will deny me. Okay. So Jesus had prophesied and knew that Peter, although he was confident, although he was strong and had a sword. One day Peter would soon deny Jesus. So Jesus's prophecy is coming to pass. And it says, then Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And so Peter went out and wept bitterly. And all the church said, amen. You may have your seats. Holy Spirit. I pray that you would deliver your word to your people. May every life be touched and transformed. We depend on it, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. I've been talking about wisdom. Last week I was talking about wisdom. How many were not here last week? Why are you skipping church and stuff? No, I'm just kidding. Who really? That was a joke. I was joking. Who is not here? I just want to know. Okay, there's a few hands. Okay, wonderful. Just want to know uh, how much. Only reason I was really asking was not to find out who was missing last week. Cheryl, can you take note of that and then follow? No, <laughs> that's not why I was asking. I just wanted to know how much of a you know. I just how much I needed to recap for you. Uh, so. You know, there are three different ways I prepare for messages. I try to, I've been talking to a friend of mine who's wondering, you know, how do you prepare? And I usually, it comes through a few different ways. Either I see what's happening globally or on a macro or a micro level with people. And the Lord will lead me and say, hey, I want you to address this certain thing within the body of Christ. Teach my people because it's obviously, usually if it's a problem with many, uh, it's, it's, it's usually God wanting to highlight something within the church context. Again, it could be micro, macro on a smaller scale, or it could be the church at large. Is everybody catching what I'm saying? So that's one way the Lord will, will put something in me uh, to minister. But then I also, I, I also will get sometimes just by revelation. So sometimes it's outward, like I see it with my eyes and the Lord's like, deal with this. But sometimes it, it's, it's, it's inward, like I just, it's, there's a knowing, an inner knowing on what to minister. Like it'll be by inspiration. It'll be just, I'm not even thinking about it and it'll just drop on me. It'll just, it'll just come just like that. Like, like when, you know, you and I were talking this, this scripture dropped in my, in my spirit and the Lord, that is the easiest way to go because you know that what you're saying is not coming from your reservoir of experience. It's coming from the very heart of God. And that, those kind of messages are what becomes life transforming because it, it's coming out of the mouth and heart of God, not man. Not, it's not pre-conspired. You ever left the church and feel no different than the way you came? Or, or when you went, you almost walk away spiritually empty like I didn't, it wasn't for me? 
they're like, they don't want to admit it. They're like, I felt that here. And trust me, I have felt that here too. I think that's normal, but, but the key is staying consistent. Everybody say the key is consistency. I think that's the easiest way to minister. But, but something, sometimes it can be both. Sometimes it can be what you're seeing, but also it coming by inspiration. When I say inspiration, it's the Holy Spirit. You can call it unction. Inspiration, God inspiring you. He's moving you. He's giving you an unction. He's giving you a leading. He's giving you a download of, hey, you need to deal with this thing. And, and as, as I was, um, this scripture was one of those that just dropped right in me. And, and it was, God has really been dealing with me on wisdom. You know, in God's all wisdom, there are some things, can I just jump right in? There are something God wants to deliver to you like fresh, hot off the press. And, and if there's extended periods of times where God is not answering a prayer over here that he desires, like he desired the children of Israel to walk in the promised land. But there was a reason only 10, oh, excuse me, two walked in the promised land. There was millions of them that got delivered from Egypt. You know that, you know your Bible. Delivered from Egypt. God desired for them. He desires for you and I to drink from the land flowing with milk and honey. But there is a reason. Most people, I already told you guys, they don't pay me good enough to like not be honest here. Once they raise my pay, maybe I'll start being like less honest. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, that's a total joke. actually pivoted myself so they don't pay me well ever so I can always be honest. That's why I'm in business. It's called wisdom. It's about, you know, it's about wisdom. God desires you and I to drink from that land flowing with milk and honey. That's God's desire. But there's some things we won't attain not because God doesn't love us, most people, I hate to say this, this is the absolute truth, but most people will not ever walk into the perfect will of God. That's hard. Most preachers won't tell you that because they want to keep you coming. But God has a will. Everybody say, God has a will, has a desire for my life. I must... Say, I must, say it with conviction, I must learn to partner with God's heart. Yes, and we must learn to yield. I was, I was shaving in the mirror. It wasn't, it wasn't that long ago, and it, I have the double schleg, and I have to shave a few times a week. I'm like, Rick, like we, we will look like John the Baptist in no time if we don't handle that, right? I mean, I'll be tripping over this thing, and if I let it go for three weeks... And, and my son is, Daddy, I want to learn to shave, you know. And, and I did it early. So what happened is because my skin wasn't ready for that, it just grew in certain areas and was just, you know, like uh, forsaken in other areas. <laughs> so I had to shave a lot, you know, until the things, the patches started growing in until I was about 30 years old. I had, it looked like, you know, I was like one of those lambs that Jesus didn't want, you know, the spotted lambs. It was just... <laughs> Grew some places, didn't grow others. 
And my son wanted me to teach him how to shave. And, and I said, son, one day you will own, own a razor just like this. And maybe by that time, they will have redeveloped it. Maybe they'll have four blades, much nicer. Maybe a whole nother contraption that will work even better on you. But you are not ready because you don't have wisdom. I, notice I didn't say experience. You don't have wisdom to use this thing. Now, one day you will walk in this and be able to shave and have a nice little line, but, but, but you're not ready for it. And oftentimes, God does not give us what we desire, have prayed for, even things. Listen, you know what the most annoying thing is? Is to desire rightly something that God has put in your heart and not see it come to pass. I didn't say you conjured it up. I said God. So what, what, let me tell you what God's responsibility is. You ready? God's responsibility is to put it in your heart. Because his desire is for it to provoke you to do something. But he won't just let you walk into the promised land. He will bring you through the wilderness to develop the character. The character and watch this. The wisdom how could you enter into a promised land flowing with milk and honey, but it also has giants? If you can't destroy or defeat the coyotes in the wilderness. So, so what I do is I, I go deep biblically, and then I'm like, how do you make this real practical? How could we have a desire, God puts a desire, to lead people? to lead people, to, to, to be promoted in your career, but you're dishonest. Because sooner or later, somebody's going to get close. Is this too heavy? Somebody will get close enough to you. People will be close. I don't care how much you try to close your door. People will get close to you, and they will learn your character. And then you will duplicate the character in you and them. And then the cycle continues of dishonesty. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I'm showing you how it matters what we do behind closed doors. It matters how we talk about people because Susie might promote you, but, but then when you get to that position, God will see to it that you don't get the favor to continue to be promoted until that wilderness season works that thing right out of you until you are ready for the promised land. He'll work it out. It's, it's all about, so, so God will give you a promise, but then it's up to you to seek out his wisdom on how to walk in it. Where's the chair? A wooden chair. There's no wooden chair in here. Picture a wooden chair. No, picture the wooden pulpit. They got me this. It is made out of a real big, full-grown cypress tree. That was a gift for me. Isn't that cool? This didn't make itself. Now, but the, the, the craftsman, which was my brothers and my friends, Joel behind the media who did the tithe and offering this morning, they wanted, I wanted a pulpit. They got this thing for me. They went and bought a whole tree. <laughs> Literally. They went to buy a whole cypress tree and they made this out of it, which I thought was cool because I could pass down to my son. But besides that, here's the whole point. God didn't make the pulpit. He made the tree. 
God gives you a promise, but don't make you walk in it. You know what he does? I'm coming to see y'all back row sitters. He will make, he will make you a promise, but then will supply you with tools to get you there. May I? He will give you directions. I want you to own a, what do you call those? Salons. But then, and that desire is met with your desire, you become one with it, you're inspired to do something, but then when you try to go about it your way, you miss it. Because God has a way, and his ways are higher than ours. Isaiah 55. This is an instruction manual. Because I didn't have much of an education, I sorely and I still completely depend on this. I didn't know how to manage my finances. I would search the scriptures. How You promised me that my walls were going to be laid with jasper. You said I was going to be a lender and not a borrower. You said I was going to be above all and not beneath. That sounds a whole lot better than where I came from, Lord. Let me figure how to, that's a promise. Say, God made me a promise. But he gives you a promise. Now, here's what he also gives you, instruction. And it is unwise. It is unwise to take a promise of God and try to get there your way. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Oh, I've made some big mistakes. I've made some big mistakes. Got anybody in the room who can... Who, am I in good company? Has anybody made at least one? I cannot tell you how many people say, Pastor, I want to get married. And they go date an unbeliever. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Where? There it is. So when pain comes your way, you can't blame God. Because where... Listen to this. Is this too much and too like... Oh, looked at the time. Rick's going to get me. I didn't say anything about it, though. I'm, I'm not obeying that thing. My heart has been grieved lately by unwise decisions. Decisions that I know people can be protected from. If we simply look at the Word of God, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. And, and, and here's, God is so gracious. He's so gracious. He's so gracious. I, I thank the Lord for this thing. I, I quoted this scripture last week. David coined it because he was obedient, but then when he got power, he was still a little disobedient, which is why God stuck him in that wilderness. Like he crowned him king, anointed him. And we say, oh, he was a shepherd boy after God's own heart. He was a baby boy when that happened. There was 13 years of him running and hiding in caves because David still was not ready. Until, listen to this. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. This is what dropped in me. Is that, everybody know who King David? Everybody say King David. King David David has to hide 13 years running, running from Saul, who was trying to kill him with a javelin. He was on a headhunt for David, wanted to kill David. And do you know why he was being replaced? Saul was the first king in the Bible. Did you know that? The very first king. Second king was David. That's why it's called first king, second kings. 
So, so, so Saul is the first king. God chooses him without any preparation. You don't see any preparation in Saul's life. Now, I will not so much say that God learns, but he learns, watch this, how to deal with you. Like, like no, I don't mean tolerance. I mean, he learns your language, how you respond. Like, he'll first give you a chance to obey his word. He'll give you a chance. Don't marry him. Don't marry her. Don't take this business deal. Don't do that. I'm trying to save you some pain. Be equally yoked. And when you don't do that, you're asking for pain. And then now God says, well, I can't speak to him and through my word anymore. They're not listening. I have to speak through pain. Y'all hearing me this morning? He will speak through circumstances. He'll try to speak through his word because he loves. He doesn't want to. It's like my daughter the other day. She just wouldn't listen. She wouldn't listen. So I had to put her in a room. God will do that. You don't listen the first time. You don't listen the second time. Okay, we time out. Obey my word. If you can't obey my word, we need time out. And then as we disobey the Lord, be, when we don't walk in wisdom, everybody say wisdom. The consequences begin to get more severe. I have seen people who would not obey his word. Then God will speak through pain and give them a chance. That didn't work. Then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, everything around them begins to break down. Everything, relationships, all the doors are shut. And they're saying, I'm fasting, I'm praying. I'm like, yeah, but did you go back and forgive that person? They're like, well, no. Jesus even said it by his own admission. He said, look, if you have an angst against somebody, leave your gift at the altar and go reconcile to your brother. That's wisdom. Can I tell you what wisdom is not? Trying to cover something that God called you to do with spirituality. It's not wise. It's not wise to not obey his word. Somebody say, it's not wise to not obey his word. Now, here's the thing. Now, we looked at Peter. Is this okay? Is anybody getting anything out of this? Are you? So we have Peter who responds to God. And the Bible says he denied Jesus. If you were my right hand, man, it's my brother right there. Like, that would be hard to like, you know. He put, I mean, you got to think about how Jesus handled Peter. He like let Peter fail. And then 50 days later, he's like, preach Pentecost. And 3,000 people get saved. And you know why that happened? Look at the contrast. Two guys, both of them love Jesus, at least at some point Judas did. That's why he joined. But then he let money get to him, and he let things of this world get to him, and then he denies Jesus. But, but outwardly, it looks like both, it looks like Judas repented by hanging, but that wasn't repentance. That was being remorseful for what he did or remorseful that he got caught or the shame. And here's, here's what happens. Here, and here's my challenge to everybody. When you are aware of your mistake, it is wise to repent, not be remorseful. Because look at what remorse did. This, that's a wise response or an unwise response. The wise response of Peter was this. 
let me use the shame of what I just did to correct my wrong. You never, ever see Peter mention his denial of Jesus ever again. The Bible says, let me, can you put it back up on the screen? Are y'all hearing me this morning? It says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. That is the last sign that you ever, you never see Peter crying ever again. As a matter of fact, he corrects Paul. No, excuse me. That was vice versa. Paul corrected him. So that wasn't a good reference. Here's a good reference for you. Josephus, who recorded in those days, biblically, the account of Peter's death. And you know what Peter was caught doing? Whenever Peter was at the end of his life, they crucified Peter. And you know what Peter said? Look, I'm not even worthy to be hung like my Lord. I need you to hang me upside down. That's what he said. That's how he died. He was crucified upside down because he said, I'm not worthy to be hung like my Lord. That is a sign of a repentant heart and responding to his wrongs rightly or on the other side of the spectrum. When you take whatever wrong that you did, here's an unwise response, is to just simply be remorseful. And what happens is that shame, that shame will cause you to become a recluse. It'll cause you to go make uh, Worse decisions, more unwise decisions. Because one, un here's the thing about making unwise decisions. When you make one unwise one, you have about this much time. You have about this much time spiritually. I'm, I'm telling you because of how many mistakes I've made. You have about this much time because the Holy Spirit, he dwells within the heart. And when we make unwise or rebellious decisions, you could, you could look at it as it putting a mark or, or hardening your heart that much more. That much more, that much more. So when you make an unwise decision, here's a wise response. Make it right quickly. When, and when something goes wrong with an individual, I don't care how humble you have to make yourself. I don't care what you have to admit. I don't care how far you have to drive. I don't care how uncomfortable the situation is. If you've taken something that doesn't belong to you, you've said something that's hurt somebody, or you've talked behind somebody's back, you go to that person, and if you've got to humiliate yourself, humiliate yourself. If you've got to grovel, grovel. I know I'm being a little bit theatrical and, and a little bit much, but do whatever you have to do while you can, because one unwise decision will eventually, untreated and unchecked, will lead to another unwise decision, and pretty soon you're walking away from Jesus. And I see it happen every day. One unwise decision. One, okay. Mismanagement with finances. You do that long enough, you will set a pattern for your life. One unwise decision after another, after another, after another becomes a pattern in one's life until they get stuck in that cycle of wandering in the wilderness all the while God is hoping that they wake up and enter into the promised land and make what was wrong right. Am I preaching to the right people this morning? I want everybody to lay their hand on their heart right now. I want you to say this. Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, help me to make a wise, no, to make wise, yeah, decisions. Amen. Now watch this. There is no doubt in my mind that we have an enemy called the devil. I'm very aware of that. I don't talk about it much. 
I don't preach about it a ton, but I have been at places in my life. All right. I wasn't going to do it. I'm going to point it at me. I'm going to take the focus off of you. I'm going to be extremely admittive this morning. Aren't y'all tired of hearing preachers who won't be honest about themselves? I'm going to be honest about this. We, we have an enemy in this world. And, 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 the, and here's what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. He is the enemy of this world. And it says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe least the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God should shine on them light everybody say light we all have blind spots I have blind spots you have blind spots go ahead and look at somebody and say you have them some spouses are like you really do honey you really do I, I, I had went through something before I married my wife. She's okay with me sharing this, at least I hope. In case she's not, ushers, ushers, keep an eye on me after the pulpit during the altar call. She is known to slip up here, and she has, like, really sharp boots on this morning. So just keep an eye out on me. Uh, I remember when I had went through some real traumatic experiences. You know, I grew up with a lot of pain, loss of dad, just hurtful things that happened. And I went through this real relational thing that I just woke up one day and, and that relationship was just like over, like no, and I already grew up dealing with rejection and this person was just like, see you, bye. So I was very particular. I said, God, if you want me to get married, like I'm good with just being a Paul. Just let's do that. And honestly, that would have been the easy route for me because I already had made up in my mind on how to protect myself to navigate through life through self-preservation. So I knew I could serve the Lord and not do his will in certain other areas, knowing that relationships will actually develop something because relationships cost you something because they're not easy. You can't hide certain things because you can, you can hide it from pastor, but she wakes up with you. Like she knows you and he knows you. Like you can't hide. Is everybody following me? So I knew that God was going to use relationships in my life to help heal me from certain dysfunctions. You tracking? And God will do that with us. And so I remember and thank God for my friend Rick Watts. My God, thank God for him. I owe him my life. I remember for a year straight, he was ministering to my broken soul because I had felt so rejected. I was so lost and in such a dark place. And I remember when the Lord confirmed to me. And now when I say confirmation, I don't mean like light confirmations. I mean major confirmations. 12 or 13 major confirmations I was supposed to marry my wife. Can I give you just one of these major ones? Just one. I'm not even going to pick the most extravagant one. And here's why I'm telling you this. Because even after the Lord confirmed through these areas, I kept saying no. Has God ever asked you to do something hard that you don't want to do? He ever asked you to stay in a marriage that you don't want to stay in? He asked you to make a relationship right that you, wanted, you didn't even want the relationship to be right? So you didn't have to deal with them or whatever it might be or a calling or a job? Anybody ever 
had that happen. God calls you to do something that you really genuinely don't want to do. I wanted to self-preserve. Now listen to this. Consecutive nights, my mom knows because I was staying with my mom temporarily after that. And night after night after night, because I was wrestling with the Lord, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm putting myself in a risky position for somebody to love me. People have betrayed my love too much. And all of a sudden, I was waking up with what we call, you call them night terrors. But these weren't night terrors. These were were night horrors. As soon as I would fall asleep, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't. I would wake up and I would feel this demonic presence in the room. Like I couldn't speak and I would just, in my mind, I, could, I literally, I could not say nothing out of my mouth. Such fear. I would feel this evil presence over me. I was like literally, has that happened to anybody? Am I the only one? Like you're literally paralyzed and cannot move. Your eyes are open and I'm just saying, Jesus, 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 in my mind. And that thing would finally break. And after that third night, I'm like, I'm not going to sleep. Every single night, every single night, every single night. It's unwise to not obey the Lord. It is unwise. And you know it. And you and I know it when we're disobeying. We might be able to hide it from a spouse. You might be able to hide it from your child. You might be able to hide it from your boss, your best friend. But God, who has made the eye, can see all things. He who's made the ear can hear all things. He who's made the mind knows all things. And he knows when we're walking in disobedience. And after that night, I got scared into this thing. And I knew, not really. I love her. We're best. That's my best friend. Because the very thing that God wants you to obey is the very thing that's going to heal you. And the devil's saying, you're going to get hurt. And the reason why he's tormenting so many people, not why he's tormenting you not to do the will of God, because even though the will of God looks like maybe the worst thing for you, it actually will be the thing that satisfies the very depths of your heart. In the end, after obedience. And so after I said, yes, Lord, I'm going to do it. Everything changed. That has never happened. That never happened after that moment. Because disobedience, I'm going to be deep right now. Disobedience opens the door to demonic activity. Did y'all hear what I said? Disobedience opens the door to the enemy to affect your mind. It can affect your health. It can affect your sanity. It can affect your peace. And, And when that is untreated for too long... When that's untreated too long, what happens is, you ever heard the word stronghold? That's when something holds you strong, and then you can't get rid of it. But when you obey quickly, you stay free. When you don't obey quickly, when that thing, when disobedience is prolonged, prolonged disobedience, the enemy holds you strong. Where he had only one hand on you, now he's got two. Are y'all, am I helping anybody in the room tonight? It is the wisest thing you could do to obey quickly. So I'll tell you one little miracle, and I was saying no after this. Can I tell you? I had said this, God is my witness. It really did happen. I'm working on a client's house. And I said, that morning I woke up and I said, Lord, if Stephanie is the one, this all happened in one day, within two hours. I said, Lord, if she's really, 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 really the one, then then make something happen like, um, who is the one who had the sheepskin? Was it Joshua? Gideon? Yeah, I should know that. Gideon had the sheepskin and he was in a tent and he said, Lord, if I wake up and the sheepskin is wet, I'll know it's your will and you're gonna make, give us victory in the battle. And then he wakes up the next morning and the sheepskin's wet and he's like, Lord, if it really, really, really is, you're gonna give us the, 
I'm going to wake up the next morning, and if you have those sheepskins dry and the ground wet, like reversed, I'll know you're going to give us the victory. And, and I said that to the Lord. I said, if you give me the Gideon sheepskin thing, Lord, sh- sh- make it so evident. And I wasn't even speaking of literal. I go to my client's house that morning, and I pull up, and a neighbor sees us, and she might have seen our signage or something. And the name of my company has the word kingdom in it. Okay, kingdom. And this person pulls up and has me roll down my window and I'm sitting talking to my friend and I'm telling him how I'm disobeying the Lord about marrying my wife, who wasn't my wife at the time. And I'm telling this, my friend, I said, man, this weird stuff's happening. I'm getting these confirmations. This lady tells me to roll down the window. And I said, how can I help you, man? She said, well, I, I really, I have a house down the road. I want you guys to come look at it. I said, okay, well, tell me your address and then tell me your name. She says, my name is Stephanie. Stephanie Kingdom. And he looks at me and I look at him and I'm like, I never told you this. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm telling you this is really happening. Like every day I go and I walk in the house. God is my witness. Strike me if I'm not telling the truth. I walk in the lady's bedroom where we're not doing any type of construction. I walk to the side of the bed and I look and I see this rug on the ground. And I said, my God, I'm going to flip if this is sheepskin. I'm going to flip if this is I, I go... And I flipped it. I said, well, I bet you there's not two. And I walk over to this side, and there's a sheepskin over there, too. And I walk over here. I said, but it's not sheepskin. It has to be sheepskin. You're specific, so I'm going to be specific. I turn it over, and I'm thinking, the Lord, it doesn't say sheepskin. It has some other kind of writing that I can't understand. So, you know, Google is not all-knowing, but it has a lot of good, you know. I Google it. I Google those words, and I'll be, strike me if it wasn't true. It said sheepskin. It's the truth. Somebody say, obey and obey quickly. Save yourself some pain. And I have to tell you, I have to tell you, I have to tell you, I thank God for my, my wife is my best friend. Isn't she wonderful? Isn't she wonderful? And this, this man right here helped me to make the wisest decision to marry my wife. He said, and he's quiet. He's very quiet. And he's. I like propose like the next day. I'm like, I'm getting, I'm doing it. And if you know Rick, if you know Rick, I know I'm being funny this morning, but I really believe this is by the Spirit of God. I want to really minister to someone who's having a struggle making a wise decision. The wisest decision you could ever do is obey God. And I guess I'm going to close this way, but. Rick, in his soft spoken voice, he said, Donnie, when somebody is battling the way that you are, I don't recommend they get married. (laughs) He said, But this is God. He said, You get to that altar and you marry her. Now, here's the thing I went into this marriage so deeply broken, so deeply insecure. And, and, and you remember how I talked about the snake and the stick, how Jesus said, even as Moses lifted up the, wilderness, uh, the snake in the wilderness, even so the son of man must be lifted up because the snake represented the curse and how the curse is the very thing sometimes that heals you because he made him who knew no sin to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God. So the very thing that bit them was the thing that healed them. So Jesus became the curse so that we could get free and set free and healed. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? Yeah. 
So when I obeyed fear, you know what I was afraid of? I was afraid of just being abandoned. Because when I was a little boy, I remember being locked in the house and my dad had left me with someone and this person tried to set the house on fire and that abandonment was just in me and the relationship and things would happen and I was broken and fractured. My wife was the very one after we got married was the very one who healed those insecurities in me of being abandoned. And so this is, this is why, and a lot of people say, he doesn't care when I leave the church and like, like he don't even call me. It's not because I don't care. It's because I'm healed. I used to chase people, don't leave, and try to, try to persuade them of my worthiness of their love. God wants to do that in you too. And obeying him will heal every, listen to this, it might be a father fracture. You know what I mean by father fracture? It might be a father fracture. Somebody in this place is desperate for genuine Relationship, But if God hasn't made that relationship happen or this thing happen for you, oh man, yes, I'll say that, Lord. Do you know how you know your desires are? Because the Bible says when our desires align with his desires, he'll give us our heart's desire. But doesn't mean you just say what you want and you get it. We have to come to a place where our heart literally wants what he wants for us then the promise will come to pass. And the only way to do that is to love him and to be in intimate relationship with Jesus. Because once you're intimate with someone, you start looking like them. You know, I've told you guys about that. I've seen people with pets. I'm like, you've with that dog so much. You I literally have seen pets look like their owner or vice versa. God will use your obedience to heal you. And so, so by simply obeying, everybody say obey. Obedience, I got to drive that. I know I'm overemphasizing. I'm driving into your heart. I know it's late, but I have to overemphasize that your obedience, no matter how great, and listen, small obedience matters because God will never entrust you in big matters if you can't obey in the small matters. The smallest of matters. He who is faithful with little will be made ruler over much. Amen? Can you all stand to your feet? I hope, I hope, I hope this blessed you. So, so listen to this. I, 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 I got lost after I read that scripture about whose God of this age is blinded, who believe, at least the light of the glory of the gospel, the gospel of glory of Christ, who is the image of God who should shine on you. Remember that scripture? It was about, you know, the enemy blinding our eyes. One of the, I want to tell you the greatest strategy of the enemy is to blind us of the reality of ourself. Did you hear what I said? That is, that is the greatest strategy. You ever notice, you ever, you ever notice how it's easier 
to identify others' weaknesses, but you can't. I mean, you have to tell people like, I know I'm not perfect, but you know you really think you are. <laughs> you, you ever made that? I've made that statement. Like, I know I'm not perfect, and you're like, I can't think of one thing I'm doing really bad at right now. But you just say it to make yourself look humble. Come on. One of the greatest strategies of the devil is for you to not see your blind spot as it relates to making wise decisions. I felt like the Lord was ministering to my heart even, even this morning. Like there's people even in this room and I have to constantly evaluate my heart because if I'm not careful, I become so inundated with everybody, everything that's going on within the church and people that I take the focus off of my own personal growth and evaluation. I have to personally, consciously, when I'm reading the scriptures, like I'm not going to turn this into a sermon for people. It's about me. And it's not a selfish thing. It's like, Lord, let this word evaluate and grow me before it touches someone else. You hear what I'm saying? But most people use their gift of discernment to discern other people. That gift wasn't given to you for that. It's so easy to discern other people, their motives. I'm discerning why this church ain't growing. It's because they ain't letting me lead. Come on, let me just be real for a moment. If you, if you were to use that discernment on yourself for a week, you would never want to try to use that gift on anyone else. It is, it is wise, it is wise to tell, take self-examination of your life daily according to the scriptures. And don't measure yourself against Sally and John, but measure yourself against Jesus who is perfect, who is holy. And here's what the word of God says. Be ye holy for I am holy. He would have never said that if it's not attainable. How do you, you want to know how it's attainable? Becoming one with Jesus. Because in of our own strength, we can't do it. Somebody say, I can't do it. I want to leave you with the scripture. And then I want to end, I want to end by worshiping the Lord to show me your face because those men were not like the transforming power of the cross it should have changed those two boys on the road to Eumaeus but they didn't see his face why because they didn't have oneness with Jesus and that's what communion does that's why that's why I'm always saying show me your face Lord it's not to get me hyped up about the reality of who Jesus is is that when he shows me himself he shows me my own realities and his reality melts away all of my frailties all of my flaws all of my dispositions all of that stuff here's what Proverbs chapter 24 verse 3 through 4 says through wisdom a house is built and by understanding, Tamaki, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with precious riches. Wisdom, 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 wisdom. 
Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.